Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new episode of Flyers Daily and what has been just a crazy, one of the craziest weeks in Flyerland, maybe since Richards and Carter were traded uh, that one year. But uh, joining us on Monday, as he always does, from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, uh, plenty to talk about in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, not uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry, everybody, for the the lack of activity this past week. Right, no, nothing to talk about at all. We'll 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 figure stuff out. I'm sure. Usually, when there's like tons of you know talking points or drama and you know all of that stuff, things aren't going well. But things are actually going well. And it's funny because you know in last week's episode, you know we touched on uh, Cutter Gauthier. I don't want to go back into this too much because it's kind of been talked about ad nauseum at this point, but. You know, we talked about the world juniors that he had and, you know, kind of the, the path forward. Little did we know that that evening on Monday night, we would get notified as you and I were sitting next to each other in the press box that Danny Briere made a move and Cutter yeah. Gauthier is now an Anaheim Mighty Duck. Well, Mighty Duck. Oh, an Anaheim Duck. And uh, Jamie Drysdale is a, is a Philadelphia Flyer along with a second round pick in next year's draft. So uh, what did you think of this as, you know, you kind of got your feet under you with the whole thing? Yeah, uh, I mean, it really, it really took a little while to digest it. I mean, first blush, you know, you're, you're checking to make sure that it, it's accurate. You mm -hmm. know, it's not, not some some fake Twitter account posting something. Um, that was that was confirmed quickly enough that that was real. Um, you know, and then then Danny talked after the first period. It's funny because that was a that was a game, you know, against Pittsburgh that that was really a game that everybody had circled. And not the players, because they didn't find out until after the game, but everybody else has kind of checked out on it, you know. For, as they went on, you felt very disconnected from the, the game going on down the ice just because it was such a big-picture, earth-shattering move. Um, you know, I, I think you evaluated from, from two standpoints. Uh, I think, first of all, from the hockey standpoint, um, you're – you know, I mean, Gautier, there, there's no taking away from him that he's a very good offensive prospect. Yep. Has, has a huge shot, big body, um, has the potential to score goals, you know, in, in, in significant numbers in, in the NHL. Um, you know, now whether that's going to be at, at left wing or at center, that, that's Anaheim's issue to figure out. I don't figure he can play center there where they already have McTavish and Carlson. Again, that, that's their issue. I figure he'll play left wing for them. Danny referred to him as a winger. I mean, it's been it's kind of been a back and forth thing internally in the Flyers organization as to well, where's his best fit. Is it a center or a winger? And when when a player has that much talent, you you find a spot for him. So yeah. that uh, ultimately, I don't think that was ever going to you know be a determining factor. If he would have signed, been willing to sign with the Flyers, Flyers had a contract waiting for him as soon as he wanted to turn pro. So you know, so all of those things, you know. Uh, it's just backdrop. Now, with him being unwilling to sign, unwilling to unwilling to not only not meet with uh, Danny Briere and Keith Jones, you know, he he wouldn't even meet with John Leclaire and, and Patrick Sharp, according to multiple reports. Yeah, he, he had his coach yeah. go and tell him he wouldn't meet with them, which is really bad for him. I mean, yeah, player, you know, guys who are players of that stature, you might be in the same organization at some point. You never know how hockey's going to work. I, yeah. I I just think that was pretty bad form uh, on his part, but but bottom line is regardless, he wasn't coming here, and so the Flyers ended up making 
the hockey trade out of it. They didn't trade from weakness. They were able to keep all this under wraps, um, you know, and, and the, so even the teams they dealt with kept it quiet. So the Flyers were able to get the most return they could possibly get for Gauthier out of this. They, they made a hockey trade. You know, one aspect of the rebuild that that uh, that they, they still need is they need a potential top-line center, more, more top six forwards. I mean, that still is ongoing. But one of the other big-picture things they needed was a, a, a top-end defenseman. And, you know, with uh, with Drysdale, who's still just 21 years old, high-end draft pick, we, we've already seen the two games he played, the skill that he has, his, uh, his mobility is – is elite. I mean, he can yeah. really, really skate. Um, moves the puck well. Very clever passer. Um, when he activates in the offensive zone, we saw it uh, during an overtime. I mean, he's a he's he's a dynamic hockey, young hockey player. Now he's healthy. You know, he he missed a year due to a couple of injuries. Um, the the labrum tear last year, and then uh, a lower body injury this year. Now he's healthy. Um, now currently dealing with an illness, but but otherwise healthy, um, and, and so now you know the the rebuild shifts a little bit to where you might you might have between Drysdale and and, and Overbank and you know young, young NHLers developing you know like as, as as Cam York. Now all of a sudden you you might have that that blue line nucleus that you're looking for, or the ability to add that other pieces. So. It, it shifts the the rebuild a little bit. Um, I, I think you know part of the reason that the Flyers hired Bob Murray in the first place it wasn't specifically for Drysdale, but it's because he's always drafted and you know Anaheim had a reputation for drafting and developing defensemen well, and, and a big part of the focus of Bob Murray coming in was actually in identifying guys who could be part of this rebuild on the blue line. So he drafted Drysdale, developed him. You know, like like everybody else, and we've already seen a little bit in Philly that uh, high character, likable kid, fit yeah. right in the room. So you know, and wants to be here. That's obviously a big part of it too, because you don't want to be here. Ultimately, it's going to cause problems. So all of those things ultimately are positives. The deal was made now, so that you could get maximum value. Um, and and I, I mean, I, I give I give total kudos to the Flyers being able to make a hockey trade here, no, no matter what kind of player. The, the cutter Gautier turns into because they took a negative situation and they turn it into potentially a positive. Yeah, as best you can. Bill, I, one of the remarkable things I've talked about this is, you know, this is now three times in the in the past, you know, six months that something really big has been going on with the Flyers and nobody knew about it. There was no reports. Yeah. First one is, you know, the hiring of Keith Jones. Nobody, when somebody told me, that I remember back then said, uh, it looks like Keith Jones is, going to be the president of hockey. Like, what are you talking about, Jonesy? Yeah. He's he, uh, not interested in that. You know, he's got a great TV gig, the whole thing, right? And boom, Jonesy's announced. Nobody had a sniff. And then we find out Matt Vemichkov's playing bubble hockey at the training center with his brother and his family in town a couple of days before the draft. We find that out after. And now this, nobody had any clue. And then all of a sudden, we get the ba-boom. We get the bomb dropped on us. But being able to operate in under cloak and dagger and having the respect of the other people in the league to honor the, what you need and keeping this tight, I think is really important. And I think it shows a respect for Keith Jones and Danny Briere league wide. No, uh, for sure. And and we already, you know, 
we already knew by reputation how well like Danny is and our own dealings with Danny. But, um, you know, and, and Jonesy. I mean, you often hear that other teams' GMs, even when, when Jonesy was doing the broadcasting gig, they would just kind of pick his brain and see where see what he thought where their team was at and, you know, their roster and, and other and, and general things going on around the league because Jonesy was so plugged in and, and uh, you know, knew what was going on um, and, and is somebody who not afraid to share his opinion. So, you know, now we're seeing some of that in action. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it is absolutely critical that, uh, you know, in so many times you hear all, you know, all, all these trade rumors, all, all these things that are supposedly going down. Inevitably, it, it seems almost inevitably, the one quite often, the, the more significant things that go down are things that nobody ever knew about until it yeah. happened. And uh, yeah. I, I think that that's, uh, that's, a, that's a positive, you know, a positive big picture thing. Bill, another positive that comes out of this is when the trade happens, uh, you know, the front office snaps into action. We see Danny speak at the first intermission of the Penguins game. Second intermission, Danny's in the radio booth. Jonesy's in the TV booth. Dan Helferty's uh, with the Snow the Goalie podcast. And they're all saying the same thing. It's not, hey, get a different answer pending who you ask. Uh, everybody seems to be on the same page. And because, look, this league is really hard. 32-team leagues, all that. If you're not all on the same page internally, there it's going to be really hard to win externally. Yeah, yeah, and I think a big part of this too is that in this process that took six, seven months to go down, and it wasn't it wasn't they were only watching video on Drysdale. Obviously, there's there's other possibilities, other plays you're discussing. All of hockey operations was involved in it, so that you know. So that everybody was on the same page, that this would be a direction. Or if you do end up having to move Gauthier, this is a player you're excited and, and comfortable about bringing in. So, so it wasn't, uh, you know, so it didn't, it didn't catch anybody. Well, it caught all of us off guard. It didn't catch anybody on the hockey operation side off guard. And it was easy to get on the same page because they, they were already on the same page before the deal happened. So yeah. I think, you know, I, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, we had the previous regime, and I think we discussed this previously. Is I don't think anybody was trying to deceive anybody, but I don't think they were. I don't think they were often on the same page. I thought they viewed things pretty differently, and um, you know, having having a unified outlook. I mean, you need that, and, and and mind you, you know, mind you, you have your internal discussions, and maybe there, you know, maybe there are some disagreements along the way, but you talk those out proactively you know, before you determine a direction. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's a beyond the, the, the results, the current team are getting on the ice. I think in terms of a big picture direction, it, it certainly seems to be working so far. Yeah. And, and look, I think mean, I know terminology, the words you use, you know, often don't mean a ton, but having the terminology match, I think does mean something after, you know, what we've kind of been through here in Philadelphia, it's a bit of a, I talked with Bundy about this on the pregame, it's a bit of a healing period right now. Uh, Bill, let's get on the ice with it, though, and l let's talk about this team because, I mean, what a week. You know, you have the Calgary game for uh, Ed Snyder, uh, the tribute night, uh, last Saturday, a week ago Saturday. Um, then that lost to Pittsburgh, but since then, they come out with that 3-2 uh, shootout win over Montreal, come from behind fashion. They go to uh, Minnesota, and they overcome a two-goal deficit in the third period to win that game 4-3 to three in overtime. 
And then on a back-to-back, they go into Winnipeg. And you may go, wow, it's Winnipeg. What's the big deal? Well, first of all, going into Winnipeg is no joy at this time of year. Uh, on a back-to-back where they got in about 2.33 a.m. by the time they get to the hotel, uh, Winnipeg's not on a back-to-back. They played Thursday uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks at home. And Winnipeg was 16-1-2 and in their last 19 games. Top record in the NHL. Stingiest team in the NHL. Uh, Connor Hellebuck's event. I know they were missing Shifley and Kyle Connor. Flyers are without Couturier, without Jamie Drysdale with that illness, and they still go in and come away with a 2 nothing win. How can you explain this to me? Well, I, I mean, you have a, you know, you have a, a, not a formula, but you have a process you have to follow to be able to win those games. I mean, the record even of, of top teams when you're at a pretty severe, you know, fatigue factor disadvantage is you don't have to, you know, you play from ahead. You don't have to chase the game. You know, you, you, you maximize your energy while you have it and you, you know, and then you need great goaltending ultimately down, down the latter part of the game. The Flyers really outplayed Winnipeg for the first two periods. Um, yeah. Winnipeg had a little push at the end of the second period and a third and a power play that carried over into the third. But really for most of the first 40 minutes, a lot of the play was in, in the Winnipeg end of the ice and, and the Flyers were out playing um, in the third period. They got goalied, you know, or Urson yeah. slammed the door on them. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be the same thing in St. Louis. St. Louis is not as good as, as Winnipeg has been this year. But they're, they're another team that uh, they've been, as with Winnipeg, they've been at home all week. They've had no back-to-back games, right? Um, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to move up a little bit in the standings. They, you know, they've had plenty of issues early in the year. Um, Craig Berube is out. Drew Bannister's in. And um, they're they're trying to you know get a little bit of a role here. It's been a, a little bit up and down for them since um, since New Year. So you know it, it's, it's a big game for the Blues too. And I think the Flyers need to follow the exact same process. I mean, last yeah. game, whether whether Couturier or, or Drysaddle or both or neither are available, it's the same process. Now, obviously, it becomes a, a little a little easier. Um, if they're available, particularly, particularly Couturier in, in um, Winnipeg, the Flyers had only three centers available yeah. and, uh, and really kudos all three of them because Scott Lawton pulled down 24 minutes of ice time. Wow. Morgan Frost had a hell of a two way game and, and a key assist on Atkinson's second goal. Um, you know, and, and Ryan Paling did a lot of the grunt work because killing penalties. Um, he was really good on faceoffs in that game. I mean, they, you know, without Couturier and having to rotate all your wingers around the three centers, if your centers didn't collectively play so well, you probably you, know, you probably don't hang on to that game, right? That's a yeah. game that could get away from you. So uh, I thought that, that that was a key and, and something else that has to continue on Monday. But you could look up and down the lineup and also in the bigger picture here. Um, huge. That Cam Atkinson got the two goals. Yeah. yeah. Finally, finally gets that. And, and that list – that not only was a huge weight off of his shoulders, but listen to the whole team. I mean, yeah, they all carried know, it. Yeah, everybody carried. It. I mean, Cam was such a well liked, well respected player in that room that him that him scoring and then scoring again gave everyone a lift, gave everyone energy. You need everything you can to find energy in those kind of games, and and he supplied that. And also, again, the the key aspect of playing from ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked. I, I don't know how much we've talked, Jason, about uh, secondary scoring, support scoring. Oh, um, 
Uh, it was huge. And, and he, so Tippett put together a three-game goal streak heading into the Winnipeg game. Didn't score in that game, but he had plenty of chances. Or finally he worked out his, his 16-game goal drill. Um, big goal, uh, you know, in the the, Winnipeg, in the the Minnesota game to get the Flyers back within a goal. Frost has uh, four points in the last five games. Um, the Flyers have five power play goals in the last five games. Obviously, that's the best streak they've had in quite a while. Um, and Frost has points in three of them. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that that that's been a big thing. Um, uh, so I mean, they're just you know, diff- different places you can look. That they're getting the support, scoring. So it doesn't so have to only be Faraby, only be TK, yeah. only yeah. be Couturier. Now they can. Now they've been able to spread the offense around a little bit, and that has to continue. You know, yeah. not not just in the final game of the road trip, but coming home and going far. If they can do those things, then then you're right there. Yeah, they're they're in that position now. You know, the, the thing is with the power play, it looked like on that Western Canada trip when they, you know, they were out in Seattle and then obviously up in Edmonton and, and Calgary, it, it was a better looking power play. It yeah. just wasn't executing to the point of scoring a goal. But you were starting to go, eh, there's, it looks better, but we can't go on looks better anymore. You got to score some freaking goals here. And then now the five game streak with a power play goal in each. And it's funny because power play is like anything else. You get a little confidence, and all of a sudden, then you can make plays. It becomes easier. The pressure's released. And now, all of a sudden, the power play looks like it's got a ton of motion, whether that's with Drysdale or York in, in the Winnipeg game or Zamula, who keeps it very simple but straight ahead. And all of a sudden, the power play looks like something that could be you know, a huge element for them in this final stretch of the season. For sure. And, and you look at since, since the Christmas break, they're a little bit over 18%. That's not going to lead the league, right? But, uh, or any, you know, it's actually the bottom third of the league, but it's fine. As long as you keep killing penalties the way they're killing them, that, that you know, that that's fine. And then it's definitely in progress. So that's, uh, you know, Flyers can't even worry at this point uh, about where their, their season ranking is because they were just, it was just so desolate in that first half of the season. And I, I think that, um, Look at where they rank in the second half of the season, you know, yeah. which I think will tell you more than what their final ranking will be because it'll be almost impossible to pull up, you know, beyond about 25th, something like that. You know, no matter, no matter you, have to, you have to just go insane on the power play to, to move up significantly. And I don't think they have the personnel to do that. But I, I think that they, they certainly, they certainly have the personnel to not, to not be the very bottom. I think, you know, I think what we've seen since, um, since the Christmas break is a little closer to what they're capable of doing at least. Yeah. You got, you got to look at it in smaller capsules, which brings me to the next guy I want to talk about. And that's Sam Harrison, because if you take out his first three games, then all of a sudden it's a different, it's a different stat line. Um, He's been unbelievable bill. And, you know, I'm getting a lot of tweets. Oh, for the playoffs, who's, who's the starter in the playoffs. And to me, this is still a very easy answer. As good as Harrison's been, I don't think we can discount, Carter Hart has not been chopped liver. <laughs> He's been very good as well. And I think I think there's some competition driving those two, which I think is never bad, especially in the crease, because there's only one net for the game. But Arison, again, uh, unbelievable performance, and Hart's been great as well. You know, some people go, well, I'll trade Hart now and do this and get this. And I go, why? You know, They're not in the position they're in right now without both of those goaltenders. Why? take a, a huge strength in a league 
like this, where so many teams don't have this strength in net and make it uh, a question mark or make it potentially a weakness. Now, for sure. And, and you look at stretches like this where the Flyers are playing three and four, four and six, five and eight. You're going to need you need both goalies. Yep. And uh, they're going to have they're going to have that long bye week coming up soon. But what happens on the other side is everything gets really busy and compacted again. And the Flyers have it's not even a luxury. It's a necessity now to have two good goalies. One of the one of the reasons why the Flyers finished where they finished last year. And, and mind you, there are a lot of a lot of things that were just kind of beyond his control. But I mean, really, Felix Sandstrom did not get the job done last year. Yep. It, it was almost almost a guaranteed loss um, when he had one win. Felix, it, just, right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, they won. And and you know, a lot of it, a lot of it was again because they were back in a back to back, some tough games, some tough breaks. But he had that tendency for that one bad goal too uh, on a team that struggled to score. And I mean, you know, one thing, I, I, you know, every goal you're going to give up. One here and there, he wants to have back. Hart had one of those on Friday night in Minnesota. You know, he, he would have liked to have had Ryan Hartman's goal back, no question. Yep. But on the whole, on the whole, his, his uh, body of work for that game was strong. And the Flyers go in every game knowing that uh, their goal is going to keep them in it, give them a chance to win. And even if, it, even if it's a little rough at the beginning, um, like, like Urson, the two deflection goals that Montreal scored. He keeps the only going. Two shots keeps they got, competing. by the way, in the first period. Yeah. They're only two. Yeah, they outshot outshot him ten to two. Both of the two were deflections that no goalie could stop. So he didn't didn't make a save till early in the second period. And then he then he stopped all seventeen. He saw the rest of the game, and then three for three in the shootout. That takes a a great degree of mental toughness to be able to do yeah. that. Um, both goalies have that. Both goalies can just reset and just keep going forward. And um, if you have that working for your team. You know, and and then you know when we get in, we get into off seasons and contracts and those things like that. Then you have to recalculate it a little bit, you know, and figure what you do going forward. For for the rest of this year, you don't touch it. You don't touch it. You you actually have a pretty big strength going with two starter caliber guys. And you know, and and, and if Hart gets hurt again, he's kind of prone to being banged up a few times during a season. Or if Erson goes down for a time, yeah. you don't worry about it because because you know you have. Another guy who can carry you. And and you're not killing just one guy right now when you have both. Yeah. So if you have to go through exactly. a period, like Erickson had to go through that period where he had to play five straight when Carter was out with the illness. And so he wasn't, it wasn't overwhelming because he's not playing a ton. So I think that it's a perfect situation. 16, his last 16 games, if you take the first three out, Erickson is 11-3-2. Uh, he's only allowed 30 goals. That's under two a game. And he's got a 930 save percentage. Oof. Ah. And the shootouts to boot. I mean, crazy. Just just bananas stuff. It's it's unbelievable. Um, they're going to wrap up uh, the road trip tonight, Bill, in St. Louis. Then they're going to come home for four. See a couple good teams. Dallas, Colorado. Dallas, real good team. Colorado, obviously, real good team. And now Claude Giroux is going to return to Philadelphia uh, coming up next weekend uh, on Sunday. And then they'll wrap up that four-game homestand with Tampa Bay. Huge games here. Uh, to get them to the all-star break. Hey, Bundy said something really interesting when I had him on pregame. He said, it's a lot easier to stay in the playoff, you know, as a playoff team than it is to get into being a playoff team at this time of year. Because yeah. we see all these divisional games and uh, conference games, three-point games. 
and the Flyers uh, are right there right now. It's better off to stay there than chase it. No, a hundred percent. Bundy's totally right on that because not only do you have to get hot, you have to stay hot. Yep. You know? And other teams have um, to lose. <laughs> you, those other teams have to lose too. And sometimes you go through those stretches where you're say seven, one and two or seven, two and one. And you find that you've stayed right where you were and, or maybe you've <laughs> yeah. gained a point, maybe you've even lost a point. And that's, yeah. you know, that's why, that's why it's so hard once you get into the second half of the season uh, if you're if you're chasing the pack to catch up, I mean, is it possible? Does it happen? Yeah, the, the teams sometimes collapse in late late in seasons. It happens, especially when it's tightly packed. But you put yourself you put yourself in a much much better position when you're the one playing from ahead. No doubt about it. Not chasing those standings. We saw that a number of times. Uh, in the 2010 to 2020 uh, era of the Flyers, particularly uh, 14, six, well, 16, 18. And just many times the team runs out of gas. Just can't do – not a good way to make a living. Uh, Bill, great stuff as always. Uh, Rebuild's work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Flyers Blues tonight. We'll break it down for tomorrow's episode. Everybody have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new episode of Flyers Daily.